Today we conclude the series that we started several months ago called the Songbook of Jesus. And in the Songbook of Jesus series, what we've done is we've studied the Psalms. Not all 150 of them, but just the Psalms that were referenced in the Gospel accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. The Gospel accounts given to us by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I hope it's become as clear to you as it is to me how much influence the Psalms had on Jesus' life. Jesus quoted the Psalms more than any other book of the Old Testament, more, more than any other book in the Bible. And he quoted the Psalms in his teaching, in his preaching, in his conversations with his disciples, and even with his adversaries. Jesus quoted the Psalms in his prayers and in his time spent with his heavenly Father. And, and it's easy to see from this study that the Psalms gave Jesus a framework to understand his life and mission as the Messiah sent by the Heavenly Father to save the world. It's easy to see in our study how the Psalms prepared Jesus for the suffering that he would endure as the Savior of the world. And the Psalms also, it's easy in our study to see how they nourished his soul and how they fed the inner man of Christ Jesus in times of sorrow and distress, in times of turmoil and confusion. And I hope that you've enjoyed this series. I hope this, this series has helped you appreciate the influence that the Psalms had on the life of Christ. But really, more than that, I hope this series has encouraged you to turn to the Psalms for yourself and find that Christ is there in them waiting for you. Waiting for you. To speak to you. To encourage you. To instruct you. To motivate you. To inspire you. To keep pressing on in this life that he's given us. Today we're going to look at Psalm 132. It's the last psalm we're going to look at in this series. And there are a few things that you need to know about Psalm 132 as we begin, or else you really aren't going to get um, the impact of it. These things will help us understand the context that surrounds Psalm 132 and the lesson that I think we should draw from it today. Just a few things about Psalm 132 you need to know. First of all, Psalm 132 tells or recalls King David's desire to build a temple for the Lord. If you go back to 2 Samuel 7, you'll see that David had a conversation with, with, his, with a prophet who advised him named Nathan. And David tells the prophet Nathan that he intends, and it is his desire, to build a house of worship for the Lord. The first five verses in Psalm 132 refer to David's desire and his intention to do this for the glory of God. Second thing you need to know, and you see this in Psalm 132 verses 6 through 8, this psalm reminds us that it was David that brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. If you remember the history of, of Israel, if you remember your Old Testament study as we went through the the story together, not long after God delivered Israel from Egypt, God told them to build an ornate rectangular box called the Ark of the Covenant. And God told them to place this Ark in the holiest part of an elaborate tent called the Tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant represented the footstool of God here on the earth. In other words, the ark was where God rested his feet like I'm resting my foot on this chair. The ark of the covenant rest, uh, represented where God rested his feet 
on, uh, on the earth while he sat on the throne in heaven. Until David brought the ark into Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 6, it had been moved around from place to place. It had moved with the, the Israelites through their journeys in the wilderness. It had moved from town to town. It had never had a permanent home, a permanent structure in which to dwell. But finally, after hundreds of years of wandering, David brought the Ark of the Covenant home to Zion, the city of God, Jerusalem. And it was a powerful moment that Moses himself had prophesied about 400 years earlier in the book of Deuteronomy. The third thing I want you to know about Psalm 132 as we began is that Psalm 132 talks about God's covenant with David. In 2 Samuel 7, I hope you go back and read 2 Samuel 6 and 7 to understand the full context of what we're talking about. But in 2 Samuel 7, David tells the Lord, I want to build you a house. But the Lord responds to David this way, David, you're not going to build me a house. David, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a dynasty. And one of your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel forever and ever and ever. We'll read about this in verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12 of Psalm 132. The fourth thing that we need to know is this. In verses 13 through 18, Psalm 132 recalls the promises that God had made to his chosen people Israel and to his chosen king David. Promises of material and spiritual blessing that would last forever. Promises of his protection from their enemies and his provision for their every need. And the most important promise of all, that God himself, his abiding and permanent presence, would be with them forever. The fifth thing we need to know about Psalm 132 as we begin is this. Psalm 132 is a song. I don't know what the melody is like. I just know that we're told it was a song that was sung by pilgrims who made their way up the mountain of Zion to worship God in the temple at Jerusalem. Now this psalm is one of a group of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. Psalm 120 through 134 are called Songs of Ascent. These are also called Pilgrim Songs. Psalm 132 is a song that pilgrims would sing as they made their way up the mountain into Jerusalem into the presence of God Himself. So as we read Psalm 132, I want you to keep these things in mind. Psalm 132 talks about David's desire to build a temple for the Lord. It talks about David bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. It talks about God's promise to establish the throne of God forever. It talks about God's promises to bless His chosen people. And it's a song to be sung by pilgrims on their way to worship God. Let's read it together, and then we'll pray, and I'll share a brief message with you this morning that I hope will challenge your heart. Psalm 132, a song of ascents. Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. He swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. You see the intensity of this desire? I will allow no sleep in, to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard it in Ephrathah. We came upon it in the fields of Jair. Let us go 
to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. And there was joy, great joy in Jerusalem when the ark of the covenant entered the city. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a, a sure oath he will not revoke. And here we have the covenant God made with David. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. And now we come to the promises that God made to his chosen people. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here will I sit enthroned, for I have desired it. As much as David desired it, God desired it more. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown. Let's pray and let's just talk for a minute about Psalm 132. Father, we love you and we thank you for the intrinsic power in this psalm. And I pray it would challenge our hearts today, Lord, as we spend time reflecting on its meaning and on its purpose. I pray, Lord, that you would convince us that you are at work in our lives, in our day, in our time, no matter what the circumstances might be, that you're in control, that you're sovereign over it all, and your plan will come to fruition in your good time and in your own good way. We love you, Jesus, and I pray our faith would be strengthened as we spend just these few moments meditating on this pilgrim song. We love you, and we praise you, and we ask you to draw our hearts near to you, Jesus, today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I don't know about you, but, but, but can't you just hear those pilgrims singing this song of hope on the way up the heights of Jerusalem into the presence of God? And as they sing these, these lyrics, I just know their hearts were encouraged to remember some of the great themes and some of the great events from their history, the history of Israel's redemption by the Almighty God. They sang about David's desire to build a temple for the glory of God. They sang about the Ark of the Covenant finally coming home to the city of God, Jerusalem, to the sounds of great joy and awesome worship. They sang about God's co covenant with David to establish the throne of David forever. They sang about God's promises to bless his people by living among them and by providing for all their needs. I mean, we really have a glorious picture here. A stream of pilgrims, hundreds and thousands of pilgrims are on their way up the mountain in Jerusalem and they're singing about David wanting to build the great temple and to honor God. They're singing about David bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of God to its permanent place of rest. They're singing about how God had promised to bless them beyond all measure. Can't you hear them singing? Can't you hear the joy and the hope in their song? But there's a twist. There's a twist to the story. There's a twist to the song. You see, for much of Israel's history, the pilgrims who sang this song as they made their way to Jerusalem were only singing it in faith. 
They were only walking up that mountain by faith. Because everything they were singing about seemed to be just a hopeful dream or an optimistic fantasy. Most of the pilgrims could only sing this song in faith because it really wasn't their present reality. Here's what I mean. And here's a little bit more history for you to understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning. The reign of David and his descendants only lasted about 400 years. And then the Babylonians conquered the city of Jerusalem and they burned it to the ground. They even destroyed the temple. The Ark of the Covenant, it simply disappeared. And many of the Israelites were themselves sent into exile and they were scattered around the world. Now understand, this all happened according to the word of God who patiently warned the people of Israel they were driving their country off a cliff by not staying in obedience to him. So th this all happened according to the word of God as spoken through his prophets. But then after 70 years in exile, also just like God said through his prophets, the Israelites began to return to Jerusalem. Oh, they wept at its condition when they found it. But the Israelites began to rebuild the temple and they began to rebuild the city of God. And before long, pilgrims once more began to walk up that mountain again to worship the Lord in the temple. And once again, pilgrims began to sing this song as they made their way to the temple. But listen, this time, there was no son of David sitting on the throne. And this time, there was no Ark of the Covenant resting in the temple. This time, as those pilgrims walked up that mountain singing Psalm 132, it seemed as if the promises of God made to David and made to his people had failed. Had failed. For the next 500 years, these pilgrims kept walking up that mountain. For the next 500 years, those pilgrims continued to walk up that mountain singing this song, walking by faith, singing in faith, not because they already had all that God had promised, but because they believed somehow, some way, someday, God would be faithful to keep all the promises He'd made in Psalm 132. As I read this psalm, I couldn't help but think to myself, this might be where some of you are today. Some of you are sitting in your bedrooms or in your living rooms, watching this message on your phone or on your TV, and you know how awesome the promises are that God has made to His chosen people. You know how awesome those promises are that God has made in his word to you. And you know the desires of your heart that you have lifted up to him in prayer day by day. Prayers for your freedom from a life-controlling issue. Prayers for the restoration of your home. Prayers for the reconciliation among the members of your family. You know that you have lifted those desires up to the Lord in prayer. 
but you don't see those promises being fulfilled, and you don't see those prayers being answered, and you don't see your heart's desires being realized. So what should you do? What should you do? To me, here is the message of Psalm 132. You should do what these pilgrims continue to do. You should keep on walking by faith, singing in faith, living by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We need to do what these pilgrims continue to do. In spite of the fact they didn't see it in their present reality, they kept trusting and obeying the Lord. They kept walking by faith. They kept singing in faith. We should go on living our lives believing that somehow, someway, someday, God will be faithful to keep His word to us. We should keep singing in faith, reminding ourselves that God is always faithful to His promises. God is always faithful to His people. And God will be faithful to you and me. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Can you imagine what an enormous expression of faith it would have been for these children of Israel, these pilgrims, to sing this song for 500 years while most of their people were in exile and there was no king of David on the earth? Can you see how how powerful an expression of faith it was that they continued to do what the Lord had called them to do in spite of the fact that their present reality didn't match the promises of God yet? You see, the faith of those pilgrims, though, was not in vain. The faith of those pilgrims was not in vain. How do I know that? Because Luke quotes Psalm 132 when he narrates the events leading up to the birth of Christ. Luke tells us in Luke 169 that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to establish the throne of God forever in Jerusalem. Luke tells us that Christ Jesus is the promised Son of God who reigns forever and ever and ever. So all that walking and singing by those pilgrims, all that waiting and wondering if their hopes and desires would be realized, oh, it wasn't in vain. It wasn't in vain. Because Christ Jesus came to fulfill every promise of God made to his chosen people. And 2 Corinthians says that exactly when it tells us, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. I want you to read this verse with me. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're alone or if you're gathered with a group of people. I want you to read this verse with me. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Say it with me. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. Let's read it again. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God intends to fulfill every promise he's ever made. He will not disappoint us. Psalm 132 is a fitting way to end our study on the songbook of Jesus, especially in a time of pandemic when everything looks so bleak 
and so confused. I was thinking today, living life in our present set of circumstances is like trying to do whitewater rafting down a river at midnight in a heavy fog. You don't know what's coming next. You don't know what to expect. And I think Psalm 132 is a fitting way to end this study on the songbook of Jesus, particularly, particularly in a time like we live in today. It reminds us, listen, it, 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 we've got to catch this, this part of our identity in Christ. It reminds us that we too live as pilgrims in this world. We're just passing through. We too are on our way to a city the Bible calls the New Jerusalem, where we will live in the presence of the Lord forever, where we will worship forever at His feet, where we will bask in His glory forever, where we will forever enjoy the blessings that exist there in His eternal presence. Life there in this New Jerusalem, in His very presence, not just a representation, the Ark of the Covenant, but literally in the presence of Christ. We will live a life throughout eternity with Him, with no more struggles with sin or sickness. Our lives will never again be touched by pain or sorrow. We will enjoy an eternal life of unceasing joy and peace and love. It's coming. That's the promise of God to us. We're walking by faith to that destination. We are singing these pilgrim songs by faith, believing that God will fulfill every promise He's made to us. But Psalm 132 reminds us, just like the pilgrims long ago, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're still pilgrims making our way home. 1 Peter 1, and we're about to begin a series on 1 Peter 1, where we will focus on this part of our identity. 1 Peter 1 calls us sojourners and pilgrims. We are pilgrims. We should never feel too much at home here because we're just passing through. And sometimes as pilgrims, making our way to the holy city, making our way to the presence of God, we may see some of our prayers go unanswered or not answered the way we hoped for. As pilgrims making our way home to our heavenly city where all the promises of God made to His chosen people are fulfilled. As pilgrims here on earth, we might not see all our hopes and dreams realized quite the way we wanted or expected. But as pilgrims making our way to the new Jerusalem, we should keep walking by faith. We should keep singing our pilgrim songs in faith. Because listen, we have a sure and certain hope that God will not disappoint us. And one day, on that day, when we as pilgrims arrive home to the presence of God to worship Him forever, on that day, God will fully satisfy every heart that placed its faith and hope in Him. So we will not give up. We will keep on walking it out, or in my case, limping it out. I intend to get there crawling if I have to. But I know God. 
God is faithful, and God is good, and he's going to satisfy this heart in the end. No matter how it looks like now, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep singing because that's who he's called me to be, and I want to bring him glory. Every step of the way, every breath that I take, I pray you feel the same. Listen, I know some of you are here, out there, and you may not have made a decision to follow Christ yet. This little, I'll call her a little girl, because to me she's a little girl, came to us about nine months ago, right? Eleven months ago, time has flown, I have lost time. Came to us eleven months ago, broken. She seemed a little mad. Seemed a little disappointed in life. Obviously thought that she deserved better than what she was getting. I've watched this little girl be transformed by the work of the word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And what God has done for her, and what God has done for me, and for Brian, and for so many of you out there, God will do for anyone who will humble themselves, call upon his name, and trust him for salvation, and trust him to bring the change in, in their lives that they want to see. It's a matter of surrender. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask those of you who have surrendered to Christ already, and you are walking by faith, and you are singing these pilgrim songs in faith, I'm going to ask you right now in the comments to, to express yourself this way. I'm a pilgrim walking by faith. I'm a pilgrim walking by faith. And if you need someone to pray with you this morning, if you need to reach out to someone and have them answer questions about what it means to follow Christ, right now if you see someone in those comment section and they have acknowledged themselves to be a pilgrim walking by faith, I encourage you to reach out to them. Talk to them. Let them pray with you. There's no better life on this earth. I promise you, there's no better life on this earth than living for Christ Jesus. It may not look real good right now, but I know how the story ends. And the story ends with God making all things new through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your mercy and your grace. I ask you, God, to speak to people through your Holy Spirit and bring them to a knowledge of truth. And I pray today that you would give people faith to believe. Faith to believe that you can save them. Faith to believe that you can deliver them. Faith to believe that you can get them through whatever situation they're in for the glory of your name. I pray that faith would rise in the hearts of all of your children right now, God. That we would cast off the, the, the chains of disappointment and disillusionment. And we would lift up our heads and see the glory of Christ Jesus who reigns and rules over all. May we put our trust and our hope in him, not on our circumstances, not on our government, not on our politicians, not on our scientists, 
May we place our faith and our hope in the God who saves, in the God who faithfully, faithfully delivers his people and fulfills his word. We love you, Jesus. Be glorified in us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.